hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. Recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe. Hola, hola, como esta? Muy bien, ¿y usted? Good enough. <laughs> like, is that the extent of your Good. Spanish? <laughs> I don't like being put out. The I'm spot. doing well, Aaron. Thank you for asking. We're we're very knee deep in our October series. We we are. This is uh maybe uh, even uh, neck deep, perhaps even nose deep. But we can okay. still talk. So can I guess not because we can still. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss the movies weekly. However, we're in the thick of October or some call it Fogtober, as I reluctantly call it spooky season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, whatever we're in, we've been doing all these horror specials. We've been a lot of fun. We've gone international this year. We've talked about South Korean horror. We've talked about Australian horror. We talked about Japanese horror just last week. And now we're wrapping up our countries for this particular year uh, with Spanish horror, specifically films from horror films focused in Spain, mm-hmm. Spanish filmmakers, um, which I'm excited to do. Um, Abe, I'm excited for you to to join me on this mission to continue our our global trek <laughs> through the realm of horror. And joining us to discuss Spanish horror this week, we have from the Brandon Peters show in Why So Blue. He's east of Portugal, south of France, and you can see his underpants. It's Brandon Peters. Puedo ir al baño. <laughs> That's uh really good, Brandon. How are you? Gracias. Uh, <laughs> not see, <laughs> Uh no, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm we we're at the end of this. Uh, oh. we still have the commentary when we mm-hmm. come back to the states. Um, exactly. after our world tour mm-hmm. that we've been going on. That's a good point. Uh, dropping off. Looks like we dropped off uh, Professor Dylan in uh, Japan. And, yeah, uh, left him there. Where PJ, he belongs. We left um. we left PJ in the outback. Um, so yeah, back. Just three of us. Out <laughs> back, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it, it, this is a lot of fun to do this to like go over these different countries. I look forward mm-hmm. to how we continue this probably next year with at least a couple countries. I you know I'd like to. Yeah, it'll be fun to go back to like doing topics as well. But I think we can like mix these in. Like you know, I also yeah. appreciate yeah. your note about you know um, I wanted to do accents in all of them, and you're like that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, I, I think you're right. I think that it worked out better with us not doing accents from the countries that we visited. I, I, we all know there's only two you're still allowed to do: Irish and Italian. Those are the only ones that aren't offensive. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> that's that's what the world has said um, if, no, chris, I, if chris pratt can do it all of us can do it that's the rule this is this is that fun time of year where i where i always go man i don't think i watched enough horror movies during this year i watch them all throughout mm-hmm. i watch them all throughout the year and then i'm like oh no shit i watched like 30 or 40 for out now they just weren't the ones i like i, I don't get through the traditional ones you know like, no, that's yeah. the thing like i said like because you know all year long Kino and Arrow and mm-hmm. Synapse. They'll like release all these horror movies, and I'll be like, okay, like if I don't get to this now, I'll like concentrate it around this time oh, of year, so I I'll see. have a chance to watch them finally. Like, that's well, like my why my November is awesome. Yeah, because <laughs> I have all I, these. Cause, yeah, because yeah, I was gonna say, like, because we've been doing movies. all this research for these episodes, so I have like yeah. this stack of other like like Night of the Demons just came out in 4K. Yeah. I'm like, when am I getting to this? It'll be like probably the 31st. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I actually when for my show, I'm I'm doing a lot, so like I actually watched night of the demons I, and i watched the night of the demons international cut i watched night of the demons 2 i watched the work print of night of the demons 2 and i watched night of the demons 3 and the 
there's like a TV cut or a work print of that as well. So I've watched those multiple times a piece as well as, you know, the Rob Zombie Firefly movies. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been watching a lot of horror plus doing my own thing. My, my son watched all the Saw movies. So really? Yeah. How old is he now? Seven? He is 11. 11. Mm, Okay. Yeah. But I, just one by one with those. I'm like, does he Tell me laugh to at any of the kills, or is he? No, he's behind, he's all he's fingers? all into the mystery and the intertwine, and he lo- he likes that sort of stuff. So okay, but he's not like he scared of it. He's entertained by what? Yeah, no, he's not. He like hides his eyes with, uh, when it gets a little too much. I told him. I right. told him. I'm like, I mean, so do when I. it's like, too I much. Some of that. <laughs> yeah, when it gets if it's too much, just say stop. We stop. No questions yeah. asked. And I and I might. You know, if you, if you can't, if you like need to know what happens, I might tell you what happens. If yeah, we have yeah. To stop there, but he's that's good yeah, dad mode. Fine. You're not yeah. you're not like making him like no. You have to watch how this person nope. terrorizes mm-hmm. themselves. First one's not as bad as everyone thinks it is, so I figured okay. that'd be fun to surprise him with. Like, hey, look, you can watch Saw, and hmm. then he really wanted to see a second one. I'm like, all right, when this gets too much, you let me know. So yeah, does he have any favorites so far? Mm-hmm. He, uh, from horror genre. He huh? likes the Spanish movies? He's finished <laughs> the series, is what I said, right? No, he's got Saw X left. So he's, he's, so he's basically finished the series. Yeah, he's, so. yep, yep, yep. He saw all the good ones at the end there. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Does he have a favorite, like Abe? Yeah, uh, yeah. he, he uh, likes the first three a lot, um, okay. he li- and he likes uh, four uh, a bit, too. Um, but, like, he does not like the 3D one. That's been the one that he didn't care for the most because yeah, it's bad yeah because <laughs> it sucks a lot that's why right <laughs> um, right yeah i mean i've got my horror movies in outside of some of this stuff like mm-hmm. i mean like you know i've been watching the leprechaun films <laughs> oh really yeah see you're like yeah. hey like oh, a big classics run- in. Like I didn't a, know that you were doing a rewatch of all the leprechauns. Well, it's not a rewatch because I've I've never seen the other like I've seen bits and pieces of some of them, but yeah. I've never seen beyond the first one. And Did I know you big, watch uh, uh, the one that they own space yet. A big running joke on our show is that Leprechaun Four in space. Yeah, I finally seen in space now. It's a movie. It's uh, it's got <clears> a, <throat> it's got some terrible lines in it. Did, and you watch Leprechaun in the Hood. Uh, no, that's next. Like we're talking okay. in the hood, and All then right. back to the hood. I'm gonna. I'm yeah, not going. He's got for, two of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm not because yeah, the hood was so popular. I'm yeah. not gonna watch the remakes because I don't care. Um, I should Retur- say returns. That, returns is fine. I'm not gonna do that. I should say. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna put uh, be a completionist, <laughs> Aaron. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I'm is. completing the the Warwick Davis days. That's what I'm going. Okay, uh, Davis but what days. I, yeah. But what I'm what I'm going to say is me saying. I'm watching the Leprechaun films. It's not some point of pride that I have. These are all terrible movies. Like three and four yeah. are fine-ish, but like none of these are good. <laughs> like this is this is this has been yeah. the worst choice that I could have made. I think as that far they, as they to have ceased on. to, uh, and maybe after like the second one, like they're they're actually not really like scary or spooky anymore. They're kind of just like really goofy. The the first two and... are not scary at all. <laughs> okay, here, yeah. it's like I haven't seen the first two. The the three and four certainly lean. Why are we talking about this so much? I don't know. I don't know. Three and four certainly lean more on comedy, but or like lean like affect more effectively lean on comedy. I should say. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's get back to Spain. Is what we're going to talk about in a second. I will note one thing very quickly. Yes. Um. Obviously, there are only three of us. Normally, we have a couple more people on this show. Um. Specifically, Jimmy O. And without getting into details, we'll just say that um, we certainly send our, our best out to Jimmy, and we look forward to having him back next year to talk more about these uh, horror episodes with us, because these are always a lot of fun, and it's great to have him on the show with us. Indeed. Uh, Any you love and support, Jimmy. For sure. 
So with that said, let's uh let's get into it. Let's get into Spanish horror. I'll do as we've normally done. We're kind of getting to some general thoughts in Spanish horror, like what we've seen as we've kind of gone through this before we get to the picks that we have. And I actually wrote up mm-hmm. a few things here because I feel mm-hmm. like it's I feel like it would help um to kind of go over and- it a little bit more. But before I do that, because I have some prepared notes, I'm curious if you guys had uh picked up on anything specifically about Spanish horror compared to what we've been doing here. Uh I'll start. Uh sure. I, I certainly appreciate i think the range that it goes through from a time period standpoint um so you certainly get like it seems like not they don't go deep to like spanish exposition i'm saying spanish inquisition and and you know 1600s type of horror but you do get like some early like 19th or 20th century horror which i find very fascinating um into i guess you could call it like more gothic horror and into like modern horror today um and i appreciate that about it because uh, i wasn't on the the um uh, the Australia episode, uh-huh. but the Australia episode, I feel like it also goes into like really strange territory with like the outback. That also goes into like territory within the city, and also just a lot of creature feature stuff for Australia. So I appreciate that they are using their country as one uh, a setting, but also too they kind of explore like the the darkness of Spanish history in their movies. Sure. And I really appreciate that about the introspection of it. Much the same way that we talked about the Japanese horror last mm-hmm. week. Um, but um, Spanish horror is like, it gets it gets to a place where I think it's like not as, as I think a phrase I would use for the Japanese horror. Sometimes it can get really fucking crazy. I don't know if it really gets fucking crazy like with Spanish horror necessarily, but I certainly do enjoy that they have uh, a level of like unsettlingness that I don't, <laughs> I don't like all the time when I'm watching some of these movies where it can be very simple or it can be very extreme. Um, and so I, I dig Spanish horror a lot. And I also like that uh, people have been exposed to it. Through, like what Brandon mentioned, like a couple of weeks ago, like through the internet, through how cool things have become and, and you're able to just explore these movies. And the realm of getting fucking crazy. There is one director specifically that I'll at least mention. I'm not sure you guys might have okay. it on his list, but there's one that knows how to ramp it up um, <laughs> for sure. But I, but I, I certainly hear what you're saying there is, We'll get to it. But Brandon, what about you? Uh, I think, especially in what I've studied over the years and, and had my experiences with Spanish horror films, is that they are probably the the sister country in terms of film uh, in the genre to, like, Italy. They, yeah. There's a lot of common mm-hmm. ground here. Uh, I don't think they're as... I, I, in the early stages, I, I don't think they're as they feel like knockoff Italy. They have their own giallos, they have their own sure. schlock, they have their own thing, but I just don't think they're as the, the the talent behind the lens isn't quite as there. Um, for me, they have a they have a period where they jump from giallo to doing like slashers, um, and I don't think it's till you get like strong filmmakers in general that you really get a hold on like what Spanish horror can do um what they what the country itself and their history can kind of be with uh with horror um in terms of this is my experience this is not i don't know the whole country's history and stuff i i only have where i've come along and that's kind of where i've uh i've felt with it um considering i go through a lot of schlocky genre stuff of the 70s and 80s is uh the bread and butter where i'm i'm experienced at um that's kind of what i see and then i i see something in the sort of in the uh, mid 2000s where they kind of it's not like a straight output of horror but when they do put out something horror it's uh quite uh high level uh in terms of 
uh, elite genre in entertainment. Yeah, you're you're hitting on something that's exactly right. The country of Spain is it's weird to say overlooked because like there's a good amount of horror that they produced, but they certainly like you're saying the they don't have the heavy hitters like Italy does when it like you know Bava and Argento and Fulci. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have like guys like that at that time. There are names, and I'll mention a few of them right now. But like it, it does feel like they they get you know you get compared so clearly to the other country that's doing this at a more effective rate when you know, there's so many commonalities between them that yes it, it it gets overshadowed until later on where yes there is more of a pickup because of yes the quality of the filmmaking increases or it's just other there's better separation between the two countries as far as what kind of themes are going after uh, as far as some of these notes go the spain what's considered spain's first true horror movies from 1962 it's the mm -hmm. awful dr orloff which uh, is it's i guess like a it seems like a riff on eyes about a face but uh from there 60s 70s you get a lot of spanish monsters um monster movies you get werewolves you get zombie stuff you get a lot more graphic visual visuals which is in line with that especially the 70s in line there um paul nashi he's mm -hmm. considered these the, the spanish lawn cheney um he mm. yep. produced a shit ton of movies <laughs> during he's, he's got he's he's got a character that carries over through a lot yeah. of his films and stuff and mm -hmm. i i've i've watched a lot of them uh his film none of them appear on my list um but it's kind of like mm, some are okay some yeah, are good there's he's, nothing he's prolific he, but without like having real like, standouts it seems like he made he a just, werewolf movie that i feel like has a lot like the most kind of gravitas behind it so. it's like just because you make a lot of horror does that make you a master of horror type thing like that oh, kind of question comes out and i know the nashier the nashieites are gonna come after me for it but like he you no know, he he earns his place in it he's a prominent figure in horror history in general but i yeah. just he just wasn't i i've done a lot and then nothing really st struck me um with mm -hmm. him Jesus Franco is another uh, notable director yep. in the earlier mm -hmm. days there. Who's not? I've got, I do have some of his uh, output here, but like he's never been really my cup of tea. He's very, uh, he gets more into the, uh, I can get away with sexy films by calling them mm -hmm. horror I films see. type things. Um, he also did a couple spy movies as well yeah. during the time, but he, he's got, he just, he cranks out movies, that guy. Uh, mm -hmm. He's got a lot. Um, Sometimes this horror is is pretty decent, but a lot of times it's just like kind of sleazy, low budget stuff. From a uh, sixty eight to seventy five, that's considered the Spanish horror boom. You get a lot of I already mentioned like a lot of movies produced in the sixties, seventies, but like that specific period, you get a lot of like the Nashi stuff comes in, a lot of Mad Doctor type films, Frankenstein type mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there's others that I won't mention as of yet because I feel like one of them may at least come on a list. Um, but once you get into the seventies and eighties, more of the eighties horror production goes down a lot um because of just the political stuff going on when the the, so the government's becoming basically a socialist government mm -hmm. it changes up and so the film industry heads in that direction they make more films that are about the historical uh the, the history of spain and like the and films focus more on political themes and what have you so it just like yeah. the interest dries up in terms of like let's make horror for a good long while um 90s 2000s that's where things pick up more 2000s especially you get a lot of transnational horror auteurs you have mm -hmm. a lot of other directors coming outside of spain into spain or moving on from spain to other places 
there's some directors that we'll definitely name here, but like uh, some of them, uh, Nacho Cerda, uh, Jaume Belaguero, Del Toro will be <laughs> mentioned in here. Um, they, 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 yeah, like Brandon, you were saying, like they, it kind of picks up in that period. Things get more mm-hmm. mature. Um, there's a lot, you know, with some exception, there's a lot less fucking crazy stuff. And there's more... <laughs> <laughs> there's like a lot of like because like the uh the goyas are like the spain's oscars essentially mm-hmm. yeah. there's a good number of like genre and horror films that have won like a lot of goyas which has surprised me like they're compared to the oscars which you know famously shuns horror any chance they can the goyas are like yeah bring it on like if it's good it's good and it's like okay right so um and david yeah. goya is one of the prominent people though <laughs> It's like Senior Spielbergo. David Goya is the Spanish counterpart <laughs> to David S. Goyer. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, but as far as kind of the stories that we see when it comes to Spanish, I mentioned a lot of things already. There's monster movies. There's ghost stories, as we've seen, I think, in every country. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of suspense, a lot of Hitchcockian kind of suspense stories that come through here. Sociopolitical commentary certainly plays yes. a role in the later yeah. horror films mm-hmm. of now. Um, zombies. This is always a big thing. Um, at least in Spain, actually, Spain actually has a lot of zombie stuff, more zombie stuff than I think I expected. Hmm. Um, but yeah, and then you know Spain, so you have the countryside gets utilized a lot, but you still have the towns, and especially the 60s, 70s, the towns look the way they do, which has the kind mm-hmm. of you know it's Europe, it has a, a classical European feel compared to you know America or other urban city spaces that kind of evolve and develop. Well, let's not count out Detroit yet. Come on. Hey. <laughs> so it's got some gothic ceilings don't spoil show. our our next year's episode detroit horror <laughs> <laughs> which is which is like what don't, don't breathe, breathe don't breathe and, and uh... the, only, the only ones left alive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um only lovers left alive um detroit horror you know yeah. um but yeah um all right. Well, I want to get into it more because i know yes funny we can talk about but so let's do it let's get to our picks as we do we all have uh, several picks here that we're going to kind of go over so we can talk mm-hmm. more about Spanish horror. And Brandon, let's start with you. What is your first pick on your list? All right. I have to. And when you said this, uh, when you, you said what countries you were doing for this year, I knew which exactly one was going to start off my Spain uh, movie. I absolutely love uh, from 1982. It is called Pieces. Okay. Uh, directed by Juan Piquer Simon. Um the 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 IMD logline is the coeds of a Boston college campus are targeted by a mysterious killer who is creating a human jigsaw puzzle from their body parts. No me gusta. This is a top flight midnight movie. Um, it's a slasher movie. Um, and it's a it's a Chris George Linda George. A uh, couple epic. If you've ever seen uh, Chris George, Christopher George, he he appears in a lot of like Italian genre films. So him jumping over for a, one from Spain makes all the sense of the world. He's always this grizzled, uh, grumpy detective type whenever he's in something. Okay. And it's all ADR because they don't shoot with sound. So his, his voice is always o- over it done a little bit. But this one has a campus. Um, it's it's quite gory, good gore. Uh, it, it's very gory. It's out over the top, ridiculous. Like the, this movie has a scene 
early on where a woman is decapitated by a chainsaw in broad daylight in the middle Ooh. of like a park commons just laying down like it's nuts um yeah. and you'll never forget the ending of this movie is um, it nuts and gnarly where like like literally watch like that back. movie and you're gonna laugh at what you just said anyway oh. uh, um <laughs> so the the movie is endlessly quotable i'd love to see it in a theater with an audience uh, at some point i know this is, one gets a lot of screenings late at night um does this have like a fancy home release it, it so grindhouse releasing put a fancy one out um and it's quite it's a very good release uh you can watch it they have an audience track um that's oh. like a commentary <laughs> you can watch it with a an, like they record an audience um it's like there's this this terrible line reading by Linda George uh when she, she's told of someone dying and she goes bastard bastard <laughs> like that it's 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 lovely uh there's a scene where they're like randomly there's a jump scare they have where a i i they're walking it or Susan uh, Linda George and uh, one of the lead male characters are like sneaking around a corner and this uh, uh, this Asian guy jumps around the corner and like does like kung fu stuff at him I'm like oh this is so so he's my martial arts teacher he's like yeah sorry just out for a walk then <laughs> walks away like, and that's it you never see the guy again <laughs> it's so <funny. laughs> that's one of people's favorite parts from the movie um the killer is just kind of like trench coated with a hat and stuff. Um, there's like a waterbed kill that's like crazy. Remember waterbeds? They do in pieces. It's got a it's got a killer like B synth like synthesizer score. Mm-hmm. It's it's just lovely. It, I mean, if you want the trashiest, ridiculous, ridiculous slasher movie there that has ever been made, Pieces argues for that title, and it's. It's great. And the tagline for the movie is it's exactly what you think it is. I'm glad you brought that up because it is perfect. That's a perfect tagline. That yeah. is a good tagline. Pieces. And the ending is a showstopper. Like you will go home feeling every dollar was spent well. Hmm. Okay. Fantastico. That is Pieces. I um, I haven't seen Pieces as of yet. It was on my list. I just couldn't get to it in time. But um. Mm-hmm. I did, and I feel like I should have watched that instead of this movie, um, which is not one of my picks. I just, it's not going to come up, so I'm just going to imagine oh. Blood, Bloody Moon. Uh, I, d- is, I did watch that for this one. It's a yep. Jesus Franco film, mm-hmm. um, and it feels like it's it's aiming at being like, an, it feels like it's trying to be like a torso type movie. Like It's a, way uh, too much. Like Italian like, horror. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's fine. Like, I didn't love it, but like, I, I get, like, I, it has a couple kill, it has one kill in particular where there's a person on a on a on like a a conveyor bed mm-hmm. and there's a there's a saw that's like a, a wood conveyor bed it's like a wood saw like going back oh. and yeah forth. yeah and like the one that's coming closer and closer to the thing and, and that the result is exactly what you expect her head gets cut off but the way it's shot it's like she's going in she screams and then things are like a hard edit and it goes to what looks like a giant mannequin head that gets cut mm-hmm. off one oh, out of okay it. It's the most, it's like the cheesiest version of that. Yeah. And it's like in 81, it's like, there's good versions of this, but like, that was, that's <laughs> no. what's happening here. <laughs> and it has a super convoluted, convoluted climax that yes. like, it's like, <laughs> we don't want it to be what you think it is. 
and we don't want you to think what you might also think it is. So we're going to make it like this, but also this just in case it's, it's a mess the way they, Mm -hmm. uh, the revelations drop in this movie. Um, and there's like weird, uh, like incest stuff, but yeah, it's got a lot going on. It was, it's a, (laughs) but that's like a slasher about this guy with a deformed face that, um, kills one of uh, those. Yeah. (laughs) Girls on a campus. Hmm. Uh, uh, after being locked away for years after killing a girl on campus who he wore a mask to a party and she freaked out when she took it off when they were um, getting ready to do the deed and he killed her. Mm. But it's got, I mean, yeah, the the scene Aaron described was like, yeah, kind of obvious, but there's uh, there's some solid uh, of its era gore with that one, but it's, it's very much like a Franco, like there's details and stuff that are okay, but yeah, pieces is king. Pieces seems like the winner in that category. As far very as... much. It's, it's, yeah, it, and it's got, uh, what was it, the Bluto from the Popeye movie in it as a red herring? There's a tons of great red herring <laughs> red stuff. Herring. There's so much great red herring stuff in, in pieces and just, just nonsense that in the best way possible. Okay. Great. Abe, what's the yes. first film you got? The first film that I have is Wreck 2. This is a movie by uh, Juame Balaguerro and Paco Plaza, who also did the first Wreck. You know, I talked about the first Wreck a long time ago, and I think we talked about the second one as well. Uh, I think I enjoyed the the Aliens version style of this, where it's just like the SWAT team that has to go into the, the same apartment complex. It's almost Halloween 2-esque, where it's like it's the same place, uh, same situation, but just uh, maybe like a, another day happens. Um, I think that I like the complaint that I had about the first wreck was I, I think that these cameras are just conveniently placed. And what I appreciate about this second wreck is that I it makes a little bit more sense to me where these cameras are placed because they're on the soldiers that are in the apartment building. Um, and so you kind of get uh, like some gunshot some over the barrel type shot uh, within this movie as well. But Aaron, you mentioned this earlier where there's like a lot of zombie action uh, in some of the Spanish horror. This one has more zombie action. Uh, The first one is a little bit more suspenseful and and it's got some stuff that, that has like some um, jump scares, but I think this one's a little bit more just uh, in the vein of, well, we know that there's some weird stuff happening so let's just try and show some of the weird stuff and how aggressive uh, some of these people can be um, while also kind of having uh, a, uh, a like, uh, I don't know if you would, I guess it, it would be like a bottle type of atmosphere because uh, you're in an apartment complex that is just sealed off. But I enjoyed this one just because of the nature of um, allowing you to continue to explore, but also be a little bit more on the offensive versus I think the first one was like much more of a, let's try and crawl around and not make as, as much noise um, because we don't want to get caught one, but then also we also don't want to um, get <laughs> eaten, uh, bitten. I don't know what the verb would be. And it's also but... discovery because you're, they're learning mm-hmm. about this for the first time. Which is true. We already yeah. know what's up. So exactly. Two, yeah. Yeah. Well, two, two does a great job of like just expanding. Like it's the next night, mm-hmm. but now you got that situation there. And now there are doors that were locked in the previous one that you're unlocking and going through that you didn't even know you wanted to. And it builds the mythology, if not starting to create one. Mm-hmm. Cause I can't remember if there was a whole lot given in the first one, but it's only that there's like a sick person. You get hints. 
Yeah. yeah, you get hints, and I mean, it's really, I mean, it almost feels like they shot them back to back. They feel like it feels like that too. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I'll just say right now, my first film is Wreck and Wreck Two. So like, I oh, yeah. okay, so you're talking there about you two. I can talk about what I mean. Like, cause yeah, yeah. I I've constantly referenced Wreck and Wreck Two. You one, because I think they're fantastic and some of the best horror movies of the two thousands. Um, but I I usually mention them in tandem with each other because I think they're about the same. Like right. they, they're so effective at doing what they're doing. And you're exactly right. It's called it like the aliens uh to Rex Alien because it's literally mm-hmm. like, okay, now let's put in a bunch of commandos and <laughs> see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Um and the and the the way that's able that two is able to find like now you have guys that literally have guns and seemingly an understanding of how to control a situation and they're still getting fucked up by you know, yes. yeah. what yeah. you. So like if that can work and still be scary, which I find it, um, yeah, that works out. The first one I I think is fantastic. Like I can I can hear you on camera stuff, but it's like it's a buy-in for me when it comes to yeah, yeah. films in general, where it's like, yeah, that's the format, so we're just gonna go along with this. But but it what what I counter that with also is it's just fucking scary. So it's like I'm, I'm down. Mm-hmm. I, I I forget about the logic when I'm just like this is effective in terms of trying to terrify me. Sure. Right? You Do you guys think the uh, rack and rack two are the best found footage uh, movies to use found footage? I put them very Cause, high because um, I, I I I can't just off the cuff. I've always kind of thought that. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd have to have the real argument because I think Blair Witch is quite strong myself, yeah. and I do like Cloverfield, but like these are just super effective and they are super effective when I return to them too, every time. Yeah. Hmm. It, I didn't get a chance to rewatch Wreck or Wreck 2 mm-hmm. for this just because I've right. seen them. And, yeah. But also because honestly, after doing like 14 Japanese horror films, I'm like, I need to tone down. I need to tone down how much intensity I'm putting into my eyes at 10 <laughs> right. o'clock at night before I go to sleep. So yeah. it's like, I can, I'll think I'll hold on the Rex for yeah. now. <laughs> and I don't know, Aaron, I think you might need to go check out what that noise was down the hall. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I'm the guy who will go bat, go to bat for Rex 3 as well. Like, I really That's like what on my they list too. So yep. we, we nailed all three Rex. No, I, I really like, I think it's clever, the opening and then changing it to a and I remember that film was quite divisive when it came out just because yeah. it went regular but I think it's a neat idea and I really like the 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 bride and groom trying to find yes. and that and that, that uh the lead I forget her name uh but to me it, it was in, her look was in, like instantly iconic for horror genre Leticia Delora who plays yes. Claire yeah because yeah. she just has a bride's outfit on bride's yes. outfit yes. she's all messed up she's got a chainsaw yeah, and I had a lot of fun with that movie. Um, I thought it was quite good, uh, and yeah. I really liked it a lot. Uh, I guess we can go on and talk about Rec Four. So I've yet to see. <laughs> Is Rec that on 4. your list? No, but we're <laughs> talking about the series. I've, I've yet yeah, to Henry. see Rec Four. That's because I have okay. the, I have the Screen Factory box set, and so right. I was gonna, if I was going to watch one okay. or two, I was like, well, I might as well watch all of these back to back. Yeah, right. So I'll do it at some point. So I I had. I imported the fourth one because it only came out on DVD here at first, but now I have the Scream Factory box set because I got the first three from Canada and then I got the fourth one from the UK originally. And uh, the fourth one, like, I don't know. People were like, oh, back, yeah, we're back to it. And I just, it just didn't, it was okay. It was solid, but like, it didn't excite me the way the first three did going through them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot does, of people were like. Does it follow like, a completely different uh, it, it's, set of people it's, as well? It's a very direct sequel. It's it's a very direct sequel to the first to two. The first two. Okay. And, and that's why that's why I think a lot of people latched onto it more. The third one serves as kind of a prequel ish, 
thing. Yeah, it's, or, it's like a, yeah, it's like yeah, a Ground yeah. Zero type version. Ground Zero, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I really like that third one. Um, yeah. But I felt like a, I don't like it as much series. The, I don't like it as much as the first two. But yeah, no, I didn't did no. enjoy yeah. three yeah. when I watched it because it's like, yeah, okay, we're mixing it up. We're gonna do something yeah. different here. Yeah, Rec Three is on my list too, and uh, I just to give my two cents very quickly. I think that it's more it's it's pretty fun of a mm -hmm. movie. I wasn't expecting it to be this type of movie because you you see Rec One, Rec Two, and you're like, okay, well, I guess they're going to continue with either uh, an apartment complex of some kind, or it's going to be a little bit more um, uh, of an enclosed space. And like what you said, it, it takes place at a wedding. And what I appreciate about it is it, it, it turns into a, well, we're not going to be defenseless here. We're going to also just fight back. Right. And yeah, Chainsaw with uh, blood on her on her wedding uh, gown. And it, it actually takes uh, quite a turn. I did find mm -hmm. a lot of enjoyment out of it. And it certainly has a different pace and a different atmosphere about yeah, it. it has a, um, it's not necessarily lighter but it has a there's more inherent humor that comes with it than there the, is, yeah. the first two are very serious because it's very immediate yeah. and in the moment where, and yeah. darker like this one actually yeah. has like some daylight to it yeah uh, even though like and they're they're still playing like in technically an enclosed space because it's like the the campus where like her wedding venue is taking yeah. place mm -hmm. right Yep. So you know you and it's some of, sewers and stuff like that too. Yeah, I think. like you're playing yeah. like all throughout it. So it reminds me a lot of like what movies have done recently. Like um uh, what was the hide? It's not called hide and seek, but is it called hide and seek? The what one movie? Smart weaving. No, ready or not. Ready or ready, not. Ready yeah. or not. Yeah. Ready or not. Where yeah. It's like, a, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. have like this this like you know estate to play with kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, I I rec three is uh. I, I think that you and I reviewed it like way back when, Aaron, but I I had a blast of that movie. So yeah. Good. <laughs> well that knocks out two of mine. And yeah, I I you know I was talking about Rick. Um but uh what's his um Giama uh Balaguero and Paco Plaza both directors, mm -hmm. they they've both they've gone on to keep doing things. I know uh Paco Plaza's Veronica, I know, got like a lot of praise. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. that that one came out on Netflix like a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I I've, yeah, I've yet it's been, it's been on my queue forever, and I mm -hmm. still didn't get to it. And I wanted to also, um, but I know that one's supposed to be a solid, like a a solid, a strong effort because it's that was because they were working together. Then Rec Three, he Paco Plaza did just Rec Three, and then right. uh, Jama did Rec Four. So after Three, Veronica was his next film, and it got a lot more acclaim than. Than three did regardless of how much we enjoy it but uh no you know it's it's been neat to just it's neat to watch some of these guys that you know there's other directors on my list that uh have had have had interesting careers after like breaking out with some of their first films what have you mm -hmm. um with rec by the way has anyone seen quarantine the um american the remake, remake? Uh -huh. the american remake? yeah i did no yeah any thoughts there Breaded. it's the same it's the same thing and <laughs> they put the ending on the poster like a bunch of assholes yeah that wasn't my favorite yeah. Well, who is the lead in that? Jennifer uh, Carpenter. Jennifer Carpenter. That's and then it's got uh what's Jay his name? Hernandez. Jay Hernandez. Yeah. Love the shorts in there. Um... So that that's a movie where uh things didn't work for me. And I realized one of the important things I think in a in if you're going to utilize found footage is you need to have lesser known actors in yes. it, especially if it's horror to buy into it because yeah. Jay Hernandez and Jennifer Carpenter, I'm just like not feeling any any sort of dread or anything with with that movie because right. of who they who they are. And I, I recognize them. The part of the found footage needs a sense of uh, just the slightest sense of believing it mm -hmm. and that that 
just takes it away when you have bigger name actors. You could do that like a Cloverfield, which Cloverfield didn't even have then, it's still bigger like... name actors. Like it's got people that you've seen, but like that's a kaiju yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, not straight. I mean, it is horror because it's monsters and stuff, but like I, I don't know. That one is an exception to this rule, I would say. The other thing I think which is not horror and it's body cams, but it's end of watch with Pena and Yeah, Stil- yeah, yeah. Stil- exactly. That so one. It's yeah. like it's a different area you're exploring there. Yeah. Supposed to found footage where it's like this is something you got off the street and it's like, what's going on here? And yeah, yeah, so you're like, supposed having... to feel dirty watching people you don't know with things like that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. why the Blair Witch Project was able to pull off, you yeah. know, people believing it in places. So. Yeah, that, that's and, why I was and, able to ruin and... their careers. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> they wouldn't believe that's them. That's true. Yeah. Right. And like uh, to some degree, the first uh, paranormal activity as well, where you're just like, I, I guess that this is a movie, but I don't know who these people are. And that helps them make it more believable, I guess. But um, yeah, I agree with you on on. It's fun to have, I guess, quote unquote, no name actors in these found footage movies because it just it takes the uh, ever so much bit of Hollywood out of it, right? You're like, yeah, oh, I've seen this guy before, and mm-hmm. I don't really believe that this guy is gonna. Uh, I I don't believe for a second that this is gonna be anything that is like too too crazy. So I, I will say the director of Quarantine, John Eric Dowd- Dowdle, he did the Poughkeepsie tapes, which Brandon, I think you've seen, right? Yeah, I've seen that. It's okay. Um, he did the he did Devil, which was the M Night Shyamalan produced film that was going to be oh, a part of like the a, elevator. Yeah, which I think is quite good. Yeah, um, I like that one. And that was supposed to be the start of like an anthology series of him producing movies that other directors would make, but it didn't do well, uh, which is unfortunate because I'd be happy to see produce, Shyamalan producing horror mm-hmm. movies of younger filmmakers. But they he also did As Above, So Below, which is quite good for a fourth the catacombs movie. movie. That's the catacombs one. Yeah, uh-huh. that was that was pretty good. Yes, that's not bad. I will give you that, and it and it also it's a kind of like Ben Feldman's one of the actors, and like yep. it has it's Cloverfield's it's, Ben it's, Feldman. Right, Ben yeah. Cloverfield's Ben. Yeah, he's yeah. the he's the the guy that the the girlfriend goes home with, and he's like he's the one he says like the last thing to before he goes out the door. Um, and now he's like, I gotta get back to my girlfriend. That was the last thing I said to her. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> now like I gotta go see this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, it's in Cloverfield. It's the like the main guy because yeah. oh, he has oh, his oh, like okay. like his like the prod that the idea is that I, yeah, he, he lost saying. his girlfriend yeah. and she shows, up with, she shows up with she shows up with another guy. That other guy's Ben Feldman. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that that's well, I was gonna say that's one where like yeah you could you, you just kind of barely know those actors and so it's effective in that way like you're saying. Yeah. Um, regardless, that's quarantine wreck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like wreck. your eye roll there. Quarantine wreck. I mm-hmm. really enjoy. I, yeah. I constantly shouted out wreck and wreck too. Um, mm-hmm. happy to talk about the whole thing because it's a yeah. it's a pretty it's a signature horror franchise at this point. For it Spain. is. Yeah. So yeah, I had I had in my additional things to talk about. I had. Mm-hmm rec series and i specifically asterisk rec three because i'm like okay one of them's gonna have rec or rec two yeah i want to i want to go to bat for rec three so yeah all right well surprise we got you uh we by the way it. just a quarantine follow-up is there a quarantine two or they there did, is they a quarantine there is two. there is it's set on an airplane i believe and it's oh not... so it's not it doesn't follow oh, so they the didn't okay. it, yeah it's not it's not a direct follow-up of um mm. okay it goes its own direction I have heard mm. that it is not bad. <laughs> um, I okay. take that as you will, <laughs> but um, okay. I, it has a 75% Rotten Tomatoes. So I mean, That's oh, pretty based high. on eight reviews, um, well, and oh. the, aver- the average rating is like 5.42. But still, are- it's not rotten. Who are the eights? <laughs> Who are the eight? Scott Mendelson. Yeah. Luke yeah, Thompson, yeah. seven times. What? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
but no, I've, I think, and if I had to guess, it's probably because it's not specifically doing wreck again, but different. Sure. It's doing its own thing at this point. Okay. Right. But I haven't seen them, so I don't have a. Yeah, same. It's rec- uh, Quarantine 2 colon Terminal is the name of that. Film. Okay. Oh. I mean, the idea of an airport zombie outbreak, kind of fun, which you've I, seen a couple times in a different few movies. Um, but if it was just specifically always set in there, that's that's like a, a set out of um, Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, well, Brandon, we're back to you, actually. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> rec talk. What's up? All right. Uh, what's up is uh, heading back 10 years. From my last pick to 1972 with Tombs of the oh. Blind Dead. There we go. Uh, directed by Armando de Asario. Uh, IMDb tells you it's about medieval knights executed for their black magic rituals come back as zombies to torment a group of vacationing college kids. And they're blind because they were had their eyes pecked out when they were human by hmm. birds. Um they're not zombies in the sense like you think of Romero zombies. They are skeletons in knight's armor riding horses with swords. It, zombie horses. Okay. Zombie they are they're zombie horses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're zombie horses. It felt it feels akin to like the fog. Like, yeah. the, like mm-hmm. those kind of monsters. And they're very slow. Uh the movie's kind of slow. Uh it's kind of I it's kind of just like well shot and well put together like there's something really well done about this movie good atmosphere yeah the atmosphere is great even if the script is kind of flimsy and it's not all together great um you know you know you can tell it's flimsy there are mm -hmm. multiple scenes of characters just like standing and doing like chores things like it like the camera holds on them and it's like right we we needed to see them like pick up object here walk over here right put it down and it's like there's a lot of this for a hour 40 minute movie yeah these these (laughs) this movie so this movie spawns a series uh that it that has uh four movies and you know it has a sequel that was called uh, Return of the Blind Dead, but also called Return of the Evil Dead, depending on depending mm-hmm. on what uh, copy of the reels you got. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got another one called Ghost, the Ghost Galleon, which is on a boat, and then one called Night of the Seagulls. That's the final one. But these movies have these common threads throughout them. Uh, you'll see every movie has the sacrifice scene, uh, where a woman is usually, you know, tortured, tied up, and then like all this stuff and these creepy skeletons guys around them. And then there's like usually some sort of like sexual assault or abuse just as part of the plot or just as something that happens is never part of the plot. This movie, um, this first one revels in this backstory. So there's this couple traveling the land and they run into a college friend of the girl and we get a backstory that like they had this like experimenting in college relationship with each other. And then they, she thinks like she's going to take the boyfriend away. And then she goes off on her own to where these like ruins used to be to smoke a J and spend the night. And guess what? Oh, those Knights Templar aren't going to stand for that. They come back <laughs> and they get her. Um, and then so then the guy and this girl end up becoming a couple that goes and searches. And randomly they meet this local couple. And they go searching for shit, and the guy who's the local couple like rapes the girl. Like it's it a gets, dark movie. It gets weirdly heavy because I was watching. I, yeah. saw, I watched this first one for the first time this week, and I was like, "This is 
what like the plot. terrible things yeah. going on here. Plotting here gets it is <laughs> disgusting like this rape like this guy is an asshole like and he's got a girl who's like you better not take my man i'm like and he forces it on her and you're like what the hell and then they have an afterwards scene where she's just kind of like well i'm not raped like it is like what yeah it's it's really yeah. it, it's off-putting what and year was this 72 and 72 and, Having seen the other ones, they're not fresh in my brain. Uh, I'll get to why I've seen it all, but like, it's unsettling that this is a through line. Like, they all have stuff like this, and it's just kind of like, it's like they relish in that or think like, yeah, this is why yeah, we te- make them. Texas Chainsaw has a dinner table scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Blind Dead has horrible sexual assault scenes. It's like right. <laughs> um. So like when I when I did QC in Los Angeles, we did Anchor Bay had these movies, and we got them to do the QC and like nobody at my work fucking like, like wanted to see these. This is where I first learned and saw these. And I was just kind of like, Oh, okay. And I remember it had a really loud menu that went. Um, yeah, and it came back in when this, we had DVD menus. Yeah. It was this DVD box that came in a coffin. It was really cool. Uh, that people like, but not, nobody was feeling it work. So I got to handle the brunt of these and saw them plenty. Um, just got there kind of like weird, interesting films that never seen before. Um, and then I also remembered uh, there's a movie I like called Free Enterprise from the 90s with Eric McCormick um, and William Shatner and produced by Rachel from Halloween 4. And yeah. uh, there's a there's a scene in it where uh, it's a, it's about nerds. Uh, it's like swingers with nerds kind of. The, but the nerds work in the film industry. But uh, one of them takes his new girlfriend who's super cool that she knows comics and stuff to the set of the movie he's working on. And the guy, just one guy working sound goes, I hear you like tombs of the blind dead. And she's like, yeah, it's awesome. And I was like, always had a negative slant on it because of that. But I do think the first movie is worth seeing out of curiosity. I think there are well done things with it, but there is some nastiness in there that I'm just like, "Mm, I wish that wasn't there. Why it doesn't feel like it's there to titillate it doesn't feel like it's there to well maybe it was supposed to do that it doesn't feel like it doesn't serve purpose in the plot it doesn't stylistically serve any purpose and it's just kind of like what's the point like yeah the guy gets it after he does that deed but it's like he was an asshole before that's all we really needed and it's not like Mm -hmm. he gets it in a way it's like yeah so i don't know but i think it overall is a pretty pretty worthwhile entry uh, as a one-timer thing, but it's when they keep making these and keep relishing in it that kind of leaves a stigma on the first one that shouldn't be there because that movie existed in a world without those for a while. But hmm. I, I think it's it's got some good, well-done stuff to it. Zombie okay. horses, though. Zombie it's horses. Slow motion, baby. Wow. Slow motion all the, over this movie. To its credit, like the Templar knights, they look good. Like they do good look makeup. good. Yeah, like that's a it's a really cool design for the horror element of it mm-hmm. all. Like that mm-hmm. that stuff works. Like like I, yeah. I saw the poster, and you know you get some cool horror posters every now and then, but like sometimes yeah. they don't really live up to like what the poster gives you. This kind of mm-hmm. does. Like this is like no 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 absolutely yeah. yeah. That's a good the... topic t- for later, Aaron. Like movie posters, they don't live up to their to their uh movie all the sword and sorcery movies from the 80s there you go yeah we, it would be a fall because we had a really expansive horror poster episode last mm-hmm. year but we did, yeah. yeah but it'd be a be a good follow-up follow uh, up. like mm-hmm. to, like as far as picks of like ones that didn't live up to your imagination yeah mm-hmm. um 
Well, Tombs of the Blind Dead. Abe, what's your uh, next pick here? My next pick, my last pick, I've only got three. Okay. Uh, is uh, is uh, 2001's The Others. This is a film by Alejandro uh, Amena- Amenabar. Um, this is an English language movie, but directed by a Spanish uh, director and like an, an entire Spanish like crew. And, uh, and the winner of like seven Goyas. Like, yes, the, in the old... Spain, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and what I like about this is this is coming off of like the heels of the sixth sense in 99, which I think everybody was like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. And I think that there were maybe I don't know if there were direct copycats right away, but certainly this was one of those movies that I think you heard a lot of buzz about. This is like pre Rotten Tomatoes, pre a lot of uh, message boards and and Twitter and whatever else. So you you started to hear some buzz about, well, this movie might have a twist in it. And I wasn't really sure. And I remember like the posters are the posters are very great uh, for one. But this is also a movie where it deals with a lot of, uh, I guess, post-World War II traumatic uh, atmosphere. A woman played by Nicole Kidman is is in this giant manor by herself with her kids. And she has to keep hiring uh, assistants to help her out. And she tells him that pl- certain places are off limits because they're too reminiscent of her husband or what have you. Um, and what I think I really enjoy about this movie is that there's a lot of things that do go bump in the night and a lot of things where I am, I, I am sort of like in the seat of, well, I don't want things to happen to this family. Like I'm scared for this family kind of thing. And when you get to the end of the movie, you're like, this is a really cool play on, uh, I guess where audiences might put their investment in characters. And I think also what you can do from the standpoint of, uh, what would be considered plot twists. Um, so I enjoy this movie for a lot of reasons, but I think it really sticks out to me in my memory because I watched this in a theater and I remember there was a, a couple of uh, teenage girls. I was probably like also like 17 at this point, but there was like a lot of, uh, there was like two teenage girls that were sitting in front of me and one of them was telling her friend, hey, this is where this part happens. I'm like, Oh, this is this is nice because I don't like jump scares. So thank you for telling me that some weird shit is going to happen right now. You're kind of ruining it for me, but at the same time, I appreciate it because I also don't want to be super scared. Um, but that's what I remember about watching this movie in theaters. Like this woman was just, or this this young woman was just telling her friend, uh, "Watch out for this part because uh, something's going to come out of the closet or something." I was like, "Oh, cool, man. Thanks for the heads up." So here's the thing: you don't like this movie? I'm not a fan of the others. Um, that's not new. I, I, no, I think you've said this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I will say this: it was an August sleeper hit. It? Like it made a shit ton of money, a lot right? of money in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not like a costly movie. And mm-hmm. for being like a dimension release, it is impressive that it's paced the way it is and works the way it does without any like seemingly any edits or anything. That you know, um, not Harvey, um. The other one, Bob Weinstein, uh, would yeah. probably uh-huh. insist upon for these kinds of movies. Like you know, they're they're pretty notorious for tinkering with their dimension with, with, all, with all their stuff, but with like these, especially from like a foreign filmmaker, no less. Too sure. like, it's impressive that it's staged the way it is and feels like the movie that Amenabar had planned to make. Like that mm-hmm. that stands out to me. I wish I liked it more. I tried, uh, but I I get. But it, it's not it's not like I hate it too. Like it's just no. like a mild like eh, I'm okay with it. But like it's a well made movie. It looks great. Kidman's very good in it. So I feel like her Oscar win is like partially or like 
though it's the year of Moulin Rouge. And it feels like the the credit she was getting there on the knob was like partially because also the others is like around yeah. the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, not like she's bad in either, but like just there was a lot of like she's doing really good work in this year. Mm-hmm. Um and look at her now, she's doing AMT commercials. Exactly. The 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 true goal of it all. <laughs> any any thoughts on the others? Yeah, I, I think it's a fine, fine movie. Uh I had the two remember the, the two disc DVD of it where wow. it open on one side, open on the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I thought I thought it was fine. It's, uh, just the production value of uh, the production design and uh, execution is real good. Yeah. Uh, this movie, one of the reasons I think it was a big hit, they had a, a, a Gangbusters trailer that went with yeah, it. They used the, the line yes. with the little hook with the girl. Um, I am your daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah I am one. your daughter. That 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 got parodied a lot, I believe, at the time. It's a scary movie <laughs> um, that does it. Yeah. yeah, this was this was a time when we had trailers where they would try to like throw in something people were going to talk about remember because we had that one that michael douglas don't say a word with him, i'll never tell oh that's and right i feel man. like that was a kind of a goal of a trailer for a bit was to get some some sort of line in the pop culture lexicon and yeah this is, this is a fine movie i really liked it the first time i saw it this after that i was kind of like oh well that's okay yeah like um, the steam kind of loses once you know what's happening right yeah i i would i would say it's an it's like a, a it's a good pretty, two watcher because you, you first time you get the mystery, second time you're like, okay, now I can look at the clues. It's mm. a pretty rad three star movie, like I would say. No, like, okay, like production value, but definitely a large part in the three star. But it's not a bad watch at all. Um, and yeah, it it's, it's pretty cool. Um, it's it like you said, like it's got that sort of like lessons from Sixth Sense, but kind of really does its own thing with it. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I I I think this is this is solid, and Nicole Kidman's very 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 good in it, mm-hmm. and Christopher Eccleston shows up with like no lines, I believe. He just yeah. kind of is a silent cameo. That's mm-hmm. right. He's like second build. Um, yeah, <laughs> it happens. He's a, he's a, Sorry, he's a, kids. He's a real Andy Garcia in Passengers. Sorry, kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> does he even say? Does Andy Garcia even say anything in, in Passengers? Does he say a? He walks into a room with people behind him. He has I think a big that's it, right? Beard. He has his captain's uniform on, and he does this. Yeah, I remember that. Credits. Like, I don't <laughs> know he doesn't say anything at all. <laughs> Fourth bill. <laughs> Earns it. Because you remember Lawrence Fishburne. He's in there, too. That's right. It's like, like Casey Affleck and Oppenheimer. Exactly like Casey Affleck and Oppenheimer. <laughs> That was a, that was a fun reveal though. It's a creepy reveal. <laughs> yeah, I was like, job. this guy is completely an asshole. <laughs> so, well, what about you, Aaron? Well, it was, what's was your a, next one? That was a very well timed pick, because my pick is Alejandro Lamanabar's first film, Thesis, um, which huh. I had not seen before. But this is the film that also got him a lot of it got him a lot of acclaim. It won bolt. Mm. It was nominated for a bunch of Goyas. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing is that is a it is a student film about film students studying um violent imagery in movies that's it's a pretty fun premise it's a very meta film as far as what it's going after it features Ana Torrent, Filet Martinez and Eduardo Noriega who would become the biggest of the three of them um I feel like Hollywood attempted to get him into more things he's still he's mainly a a Spanish actor but like he's in like Mm -hmm. um what is it um well, he's in Vantage Point. There's one other one though, uh, where he's like the star. So, oh, the Last Stand. He's the villain in the Last Stand. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, um, a movie we all like. Um, yeah, yeah. and we talked about on this series already. But like he and and you can see like in Benavar would work with Noriega a number of times, and he's he's in a few. He's in a lot of like 
notable Spanish films for sure. He's a big hit in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie, it's when he's very young, um, along with everybody involved. And it's the idea is there's a woman who is she's in like studying at university. She has a thesis she's working on uh, that is about um, uh, violent imagery in movies and news and media. And so she goes to meet another guy who like apparently has a collection of of, of violent tapes because that's cool to do, I guess. Um, uh, and and um, red flag, <laughs> one would think. And they discover basically one of her professors is like dies somehow. Um, and it's because he watched a tape. So they take the tape, they watch the tape together, and it's it's the murder of a co- of a, another college student, who it turns out uh, one of the people knows. Uh, it, Eduardo Noriega's character, he like knows who that was, and mm-hmm. the three of them begin teeing up and trying to figure out like what's going on here, like who killed this person, okay, and whatnot. And it becomes this what kind of mystery. It becomes it's more yeah, it's a, it becomes a mystery um, about like it, it's kind of, like it's commenting on the idea of these violent imageries being caught on film, and then it. Yeah, right. becomes it turns into this mystery of like who who actually committed this murder and what's going on and who's involved and there's twists and turns about the various people. So there's still twists in his first movie then. Yes, he's yeah, yeah. He's, okay. he's a lot of twists. Twist heavy kind of guy. Well, his next movie is Open Your Eyes, which mm-hmm. gets remade as Vanilla Sky, which is also heavy on twists. Um, yes. yeah. but uh, the like it's well made. The and it, like I like this movie. I like this movie quite a bit, actually. The thing is, it entirely exists in fiction world. It's so heightened because of the way all these people act, as far as having a person that loves violent stuff and in, in, in like images and whatnot, in movies, and having other people that have to behave certain ways because the plot needs them to, so it can mm-hmm. hide certain things before you get like it's. It's a night. It's a 1996 movie, and you can see the moves because you've seen them done since then. So it's sure. like watching it now. It's something I've run into a lot with a lot of these horror movies, where it's like, yeah. I get what you're doing here, but I feel like I'm a step ahead. But at the time, I can understand that it was probably novel to do certain things. Sure. So it, it's you know it's hard. You have to kind of like you know kind of separate your mind out from like what you know about film already versus like what's the new approach at the time. Interestingly, because of like the nature of the story, it feels like this is a better version of like eight millimeter. Uh, you know, Interesting. A, a film okay. where like at the time that came out, it felt like unique because it's dealing with like snuff films and like right. that CD underworld in a mainstream motion picture. So yeah. it's like, well, this is different. This film's doing it also, but it and it's even that even with this movie, it's still like I don't want to say tame, but it's still like it's not showing like it's a you know people are watching snuff films, but you're not seeing the footage. You see like mm-hmm. maybe like the start of stuff with mm-hmm. knives going towards things or scalpels or whatever, but you don't see like the result of it. So it's still like holding back from really delving into it. But it seems like it has a better idea on what it wants to say about this stuff compared to something like eight millimeter, which seems like that's more of like like here's a flavor of the movie. Yeah, here's here's yeah. something to put in there to like isn't wouldn't this be fucked up uh, yeah i was like i don't think that eight millimeter really delved into like any sort of uh, additional themes beyond like aren't these bad and aren't people bad but, like pretty on I the want, screen i want the machine yeah <laughs> hey, yeah you gotta squirm in your seat as nicholas cage oh yeah ex- exactly that <laughs> you know that oh trailer my... well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's like yeah. you know he's like fighting the urge to like bite his fist <laughs> yeah so like this movie like it's 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 a better version of that as okay. far as trying to incorporate what it means to like delve into this kind of realm and what have you, yeah. um, and it's effective. It's an effect. It's 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 more of like a Hitchcockian suspense film than it is mm-hmm. 
like a horror but it's still, like it has elements of horror in there like it's there's stuff um but like it no it's it was solid as one that you know i've seen um i've seen the others of course and i've seen open your yeah. eyes and i've seen uh what the sea and so like other men of our pose i never saw his first movie mm-hmm. which turns out it was a you know a horror movie that got him some acclaim so thesis thesis Jesus. So what you're saying Jesus. is that we should uh, write a horror movie as our first movie. Got it. <laughs> Most people do. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, Brandon, circling back around to you. What's next? You know, it was not nominated for any Goyas. Mm-hmm. Blade Trinity. <laughs> Thank you for Blade letting me know that. All right. So my next movie, uh, I'm going to go the Jess Franco route. What does that even tie into? <laughs> We just keep, I keep hearing Goya's, 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 but actually, actually it will tie in a little bit, little, little light segue here because talk about Jess Franco again, um, and 1970 Count Dracula. Okay. See? Okay. By Trinity Drake. I gotcha. Now Drac, um, Count Dracula, a vampire (laughs) who regains his youth by drinking the blood of maidens. So is that what he does? Yeah, is pursued in London and Transylvania by Professor Van Helsing, Jonathan Harker, and Quincy Morris. You know, we talk about Harker and Helsing a lot, but that's that Quincy Morris, the guy oh, that's yeah. a real hero around here. So this is this is a interesting one. This is a cult classic, um, primarily because it's got Christopher Lee playing Dracula, not mm-hmm. in a Hammer film at the time. He's still doing Dracula and Hammer films. Uh, in what is a book accurate Dracula, Count Dracula. He's got gray hair. He's got a mustache, hmm. as as per the book, and he's he's clearly trying to do something else with the role in this. He looks engaged at this time in the Dracula films. He was sort of checked out a little bit uh, with with those and not not too into them, but he kept coming back. Um, who else is in the movie? Uh, Herbert Lom plays Van Helsing. Yeah. Uh, the 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 special thing is Klaus Kinsey Kinsky is Renfield. Oh, who would be Nosferatu later in like yes t- several years later with with Werner Herzog. <laughs> it's a pat- passing the torch. Um, and there's there's a woman that looks like it, it, it reminds me. I kept thinking Helena Bonham Carter in this movie. Um, oh. uh. So that was interesting, but this one. So this is this is Dracula by way of just Franco and trying to be, uh, kind of beholden to the novel as much as it could be. It's a bit of a slog. Um, it is a fascinating watch. I, I do think people should check it out because, especially if you're used to Christopher Lee in the the Hammer role, there's there's such an authenticity to the the shoot of this movie that the sets are kind of it makes it kind of look cheap because there's not a lot of overloaded uh set design it's just kind of like here's a room there's a bed in the room there there's there's not a lot of wall decor and stuff but it looks like they shot on a lot of location interior and a lot of the of course the exterior um but if you like the story of dracula like this works this is this is fine stuff but like I, I really think it's a nice curiosity to check out and I, I think it is not uh reflective of a Jess Franco film this is very different for him hmm. um, it's not very um doesn't lean into sexuality at all it's not mm-hmm. hyper gory um but it does it it's not I wouldn't say it's soap opera looking but it's nothing there's nothing miraculous to the 
camera work and cutting and stuff in the the movie. It's it's kind of traditional uh by design. Um but it's got nice locations, but it feels it's shot like a period piece, but also doesn't never feels like it fully transports you to that period. It feels like a little bit more not modern, but later on uh, than when this is supposed to be taking place. But it, it's 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 pretty pretty interesting little curiosity and a Dracula adaptation that I, um, a lot of us movie nerds probably have heard of or know about. But like a lot of people, I think, have forgotten. Like just like the uh, Dan Curtis Dracula with Jack Palance, um, as Dracula. That I think you mean Academy right. Award winner. Oh, Academy Award winner Jack Palance. Goya man Jack Palance. <laughs> but, but yeah, so this is uh, this was my one of my picks here because it's a classic, uh, iteration. Uh, Grant, this is in English. Um, right. Okay. But I I think it's dubbed English. Um, cause, probably. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's 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 a cool curiosity in the. Uh, the monsters canon and uh seeing Christopher Lee do it again. Did you have the ability to uh get original Spanish with uh, English sub? No. It was uh, on Canopy. I see. Okay. I believe Severin Films released it too, so it's available that on Blu-ray, but I don't know what the audio options are there, but a lot of times when it comes to these like Spanish ones and the Italian ones, it doesn't matter because it was all dubbed to begin with because they shot movies without yeah. sound. Yeah, there's there's no original track. Yeah. Everybody yeah. spoke their native native language on set, and that's and how just, like, that did it yeah. over it. It sounds like a fun set though. Hmm? What do you say? And also, like you, when you said that they're shooting on on location too, like how much yeah, budget does? Did they I do? don't feel like the interiors were sets. I'll give it that. Transylvania is super like cheap, guys. You just drive <laughs> over you. You knock on somebody's door that's a castle, and they say, come in, film. I have seen a lot of nobody, movies, and nobody lives there anymore. Expensive. Yeah, nobody lives there anymore. So It's, it's the Canada <laughs> of Eastern Europe, they say. Just open yeah. the doors. <laughs> the walk Canada in. of Eastern Europe. <laughs> I love that. Transylvania. The Canada of Eastern that's Europe. It's on the sign. <laughs> that's what it says on the sign i um uh, i didn't watch count dracula i did watch the 1931 spanish dracula oh uh, yeah oh yes i like that one yeah which is uh it's a good movie it's the kind of thing you've said this before brandon where it's like it's a better made movie than than dracula than the mm-hmm. universal dracula but Bo- you know <laughs> um boris uh it's boris right no, Karloff? It's, mm-hmm. it's Karloff. it's Karloff, right <laughs> it's not Right. No, it's Lagosi is Dracula. Lagosi, that's a that's why. Bella oh, Lagosi. Yeah, Lagosi is the better Dracula mm-hmm, um, sure. in that movie, but the Spanish Dracula is like a better made film, and it that it shows mm-hmm. like it's it it because it, it's utilizing the exact same sets as the Universal movie. Yeah, um, but it's just you know made by a completely different team. Well, the exact same sets and having seen the dailies too of what was going on, or being able to see what was utilized and being more ambitious mm-hmm. too. So it's uh, you know, it's it's not where I'm more like I gotta watch Spanish Dracula every year, but like it's a good it's a good movie <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yep. It's also like with Dracula, I mean, if you watch one of them, it's like you're kind of set for a while because it's it's not like there's a lot of <laughs> you, you have to move on to other vampire, other forms of Dra- other Dracula movies instead of just watching the same Dracula story over and over again because sure. that can get yeah. repetitive, right. especially right. when you've already seen them and you're like time to revisit Dracula and it's like also Lugosi one is like. 25 minutes shorter if i'm that's correct the, that's the other thing that's, that's a the, lot yeah. of minutes it is and the spanish one like it does have a bit of a plotting feel to it even though it's 
the atmosphere is there and everything. Like it's doing the job. But yes, mm-hmm. if, you, mm-hmm. if you're in a tight bind, <laughs> yeah, you can watch a shorter Dracula movie for sure. Yeah. But anyway, uh, my next film mm-hmm. is Time Crimes. From oh, Nacho that was one the of mine. That was that's one of mine. Yep. I have a ton of these. Like I, I think <laughs> if Enable only has so many. So yeah, we'll we uh, I'm all we, set. We have tons of we have leftovers that we'll get into, I'm sure. Yeah. But Time Crimes. Uh, time Crimes fucking rules. I don't know if yes. this, but it's great. <laughs> um, I saw Time Crimes years ago, and it's such a one that's a great one of like, what do we watch? Something scary, whatever. Time crimes, put it on. It's fantastic. I don't even want to tell like too much about the story, except to say it's set in the countryside area. There's a man and his wife. They're hanging out, doing husband and wife things. And suddenly the man sees something. He's like, what the hell is that? And as he explores it, it turns into a wacky time travel movie. Um, it's, it's slasher wacky time travel movie. Kind of. You, okay. it, because the, the cool thing is if you, it's like, I don't even think I'm ruining it. Cause I'm, not, I'm being too vague, to, but like the cool thing is like, when you first get into it, it has slasher vibes for sure. Yeah. You really feel like you have a read on what this movie's gonna be based on like costume design choices and like just the way it's being shot. Vigalando is very much trying to evoke a certain feel of like, okay, what's gonna is this a home invasion thing? What's gonna happen here? And the fact that it turns towards like a sci-fi bent is really neat. But then yeah. once you kind of realize why things are happening the way they are it just gets like cooler and cooler to be like Mm -hmm. because you're like you're so on the journey with the guy with hector um the the lead star that you were like oh now he has to do this thing in order for this to like it you become like very um very much a participant in like the travel that's taking place to like make things work out ideally mm-hmm. the way you want them to. Okay. Um, this movie's that's, it's, that's it's, pretty fun. It it's a really engaging. It's a very engaging movie. It's like ninety minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's uh, Vigalando is someone that I've always kept an eye on. Like he's made several other movies at this point. Uh, he made Colossal a few years ago with Anne Hathaway. Oh yes, the one where mm-hmm. he's like controlling okay. a monster. Um, I like that movie quite a bit. That's with Sid Akis as well. He's very good <laughs> in that movie. Um. He made a movie called Open Windows, I believe, with Elijah Wood. And um, uh, I think you mean Ventanas Abierto. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I think it's still set in Spain, too, even though it has like American stars, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I might be wrong. I think it might be. Um, And he's like, he did one of the, he did, he's done like every ABCs of Death. I think he's done one, a short, all those. And he did a short in the VHS 3 viral. Um, which was one of the better ones. So he's still he's still working that. in the genre quite a he, bit. Yeah, he does, and he's also very interactive on Twitter. Anytime you message him, he'll message you back. It's great. Um, <laughs> he's, wow. he's, a fun, he's a fun guy. He likes to hang out. What you're saying <laughs> is we might have him on a special. We in the should, future. We should, yeah, we should get Nacho Vigalondo <laughs> on here. Also, it's just fun to say Nacho Vigalondo. That's a great name. This is true. Uh, but no, Time Crimes. I'm I'm absolutely adore. I think it's a really fun sci-fi movie um that has like elements of horror elements like just good just good mood overall and it's just well mm-hmm. made it's very it's just yeah it's i'm waiting the poster great poster yeah because it's it's suggesting mm-hmm. something and you're like but it's called time crimes like, yeah, but also you know the way that it's got the clock in there too well, it, it looks like the elephant man a bit the poster does well, the there's a, a couple little bit posters. yeah like the, the yeah little, okay yeah. um I, I think i lo- i think this is a fucking cool movie and i love that the script is structured and plays in a way that you think you're a step ahead of the movie, but the movie's actually a step ahead of you. That's fun. And yeah. that's kind of 
how the character one of the lead characters based too. So it's like and it's so so clever, so much fun. And it it is this is like time travel by way of primer kind of. Like I would say that'd be the closest yeah thing to compare it to in terms of how the time travel feels and looks with such a low budget movie mm-hmm. and minimal primer characters. Uh, primer featuring Aaron and Abe. This yes. is sure this is accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah they know this is so cool and it it's gut punching it's oh. aggravating yeah and and then yeah, and just wowing at how things reveal themselves and you're like <laughs> oh no but then it go you go through that cycle again there's a cycle you go through every time uh stuff happens in this movie and it it's just so cool how how every these every moments where it's like oh 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 like it's yeah you think you have it down you think you know what this is going to be it's not and then you think that and it's not and then it's just kind of like darkly comedic in ways too it's it's always fun it's a a trip it's a high 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 recommend it's yet to get a blu-ray somehow it's yeah, over, it's a 2007 movie. Doesn't have a Blu-ray yet, but it is available on Prime and on mm-hmm. Peacock, and you can rent it anywhere. So you can get this movie. Like it's not mm-hmm. hard to find, which is I great. think I think it might it, it may have a studio issue with not being around or something. That usually the case. Yeah. I I will say Spanish horror was the most of the of the four countries we did. Spanish horror was the toughest one for me to find. Some of the ones I was looking for, like it was mm. the one that mm. seemed like it had the most difficult. Like fortunately, I own Time Crime, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. But but like. There's a few I was trying to find where it's like, this is harder than the other ones were <laughs> to get some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Time Crimes rocks. Um, all right, Brandon, back to you. What's your next one? All right. I'm My next one is from 1974. Uh, it is called The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, but is also <laughs> known as Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, directed oh, okay. by Jorge Grau. Mm-hmm. The line here is a cop chases two hippies suspected of a series of Manson family-like murders. Unbeknownst to him, the real culprits are the living dead brought to life with a hunger for human flesh by ultrasonic radiation being used for pest control, which is a clever ass way to make zombies. So like this, (laughs) uh, this, this, these people have an auto incident and one of them's like, fine, I'll drive you to, talk to whatever to get things fixed and they run into they're like walking the countryside or something and they want to go to one sister's but they run into these scientists and they're running these like it's like that metal that's like searching for metal on the beach or whatever yeah. money metal they're detector? doing this yeah. thing in this in this valley there's a big vast valley and like it's supposed to be killing pests underground which it's doing that but there's a radiation that brings the dead to life from under there so it's Classic. kind of a it's a kind of a small scale zombie story, and I feel like a lot of the sets and vibe uh, with it feel um, Fulci esque with like the Beyond and things, um, and it's really interesting to see how this works because it is pre Dawn of the Dead, okay. So it's doing zombie and gore stuff akin to Dawn of the Dead before it exists. And it also the way the zombies look are very much reminiscent of uh, the Zeds in Twenty Eight Days Later. Hmm. So uh, they've got like red eyes and are kind of like angry about stuff. Um, so I feel like that's an influence there. But there's only a few zombies, 
and it's funny because like these this cops like after these people which that log line is kind of incorrect because you're not like following the cop you're following the hippie people uh but they keep like trying to prove these zombies things work but it keeps looking like you could explain it with murders and stuff and they're not in like a largely populated area uh, to find these things this girl's going to visit her sister um her sister ends up being zombified and stuff but it's an interesting movie beautifully shot they they found some i don't know if the cinematography is good or it's just that easy countryside uh valley stuff that's able that you're able to capture it looks huge synapse films um has a blu-ray of it which that it was sent to me years ago um and I was like, ah, oh, what is? I've heard of this movie because it's got such a weird "The Living Dead" at Manchester Morgue. <laughs> such a weird title, but um, it works for me. I I like it quite a bit. Uh, it predates a lot of things that you think it would have been a knockoff of, like if you showed back to back. But yeah, I, I I definitely dig this one. This is probably the cult pick of these to to definitely check out and enjoy beyond like curiosity or or singular praise or for something that it does. But this is just an altogether good B genre film. Is it in English? Yep. Yep. Dub. Yep. I see it's available on Shutter. There's a well. hybrid can... cut. Yeah. There's a hybrid cut for the long cut. There's a hybrid Spanish English because not all the added scenes were in the English version. There's a shorter cut. Mm-hmm. So when it goes to the lengthier cut scenes, they go to Spanish real quick and then come back. Mm. I think that's with that one. That might have been Tombs of the Blind Dead. I can't remember. Okay. Well, it is on Shutter. Something I should have been doing throughout this entire series, which I think I've said Watching every year, is no, is is saying where these movies are available. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do provide the list of films, and if you're right. a savvy, if you're a savvy person, you could use Just Watch and search the movies and find where they are. But it is helpful to say actually out loud where they're like early. <laughs> Although if someone listened to this like five years from now, it could have expired by now and been in some other streaming site, so it'd be dated. So mm-hmm. who wins? Nobody knows. It's okay. Twenty two. If you can't trust any <laughs> internet, who can you trust? <laughs> Um, very cool. I'll note that yes, you also said that yeah, it's let's leaving courses lie. It's also the Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. It's also mm-hmm. Don't Open the Window, which was the inspiration for Edgar Wright's Don't trailer. Oh, okay. House films. <laughs> uh, the title at least the titling. Don't gotcha. Open the window. Hey. Um. All right. Let's go to my next pick, which is going to be our first from Mr. Guillermo del Toro. It is The Devil's Backbone. Um, his 2001 oh, you're film. sticking with the one guy, Eduardo. <laughs> <What's his laughs> yeah, more Eduardo Noriega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, um, this is um, one of his, for me, four uh, masterworks, The Devil's Backbone from Del Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this, I, this is a great, great ghost story. Um, and it has one of, I think, the most iconic images in Del, Del Toro's filmography, which is this this undetonated bomb that's kind of sitting tilted in the middle mm-hmm. of a quad in a schoolyard mm-hmm. uh, in like this isolated area of Spain, this countryside area of Spain. It was filmed in Madrid. Obviously, uh, Del Toro is a Mexican filmmaker, but he made yes. a, he made one of two Spanish Civil War films. And this one, it tells, a, you know, compared to that other one he's known for um um, it's a it's a very it's a more haunted more like isolated story because it's it's focused on just this this group of school kids and like the people that are you know the people that are working there what have you and the fact there's a ghost that they're all aware of that they're just like there's a ghost like walking around (laughs) and it's uh, Mm -hmm. like the kids are all aware of this yeah 
uh and like it's presented in such you know it's del toro so like the cinematography here is excellent it's uh, guillermo navarro uh one of his main guys that he's using for cinematographer for a while and you get just a great sense of the area it's production design as well where you like i already mentioned the bomb but like just the the way the school is designed where it's just sitting out there in the middle of nowhere in like a desert and yet it's a haunted dark movie uh mm-hmm. the look of the ghost is really neat where it's like a ghost boy but like he has this this like fractured skull and just like this stream of blood that's just constantly like floating in the air and it's just it's like just the imagery alone is really cool but of course it's del toro and so he is able to make this kind of fable like story out of all this where you're you know you're discovering why this ghost boy is there what what the innocence of the children is doing with you know how the story proceeds and what we're finding out about them and Eduardo Doriega's character and what have you like it's just a really well told tale that Eduardo excels at when it comes to like how he's able to dial down his more like I'm gonna have fun with a genre movie and dig into more of something something on a more serious level right um I, I his I know this I mean this is like one of the stories he had and it like I, I'm not gonna like take time to look up the backstory on it again but like I know there's you know, it's coming after Kronos, it's coming after he's making Mimic, and he's like, okay, I'm going to go to something more independent now instead of, like, doing the studio thing. Um, and it, you, you can see, like, how that effort comes into play when it comes to these kind of movies, where even, you know, his, you know, the first Hellboy and Mimic and, you know, Blade Two, uh, you, you know, he's more or less like director for hire for in a sense, but it's also like, he's like Hellboy for sure. He's more connected to, but like the other two, it's like, he's on it, but he's, you know, Mm. he's, he's Del Toro. He's going to bring his sensibilities to it. This is like the, you know, outside of Kronos, this is the first one where you like, you really see this guy who has like the right means to do enough of what he wants to do. um, And really like tell a story he wants to tell that like means something to him. And he clearly has a lot of thoughts on the Spanish civil war. He's attacked multiple times. Yes, um, yeah. and just and like and the way he involves children in most of his movies, especially these movies, um, it's just really effective and really affecting uh, as you learn more about where things are going and like what the what the resolve is for why this ghost exists to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, big fan of the Devil's Backbone. I'm, I was very happy when Criterion released it as its number six 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 entry in the Criterion collection. Which was, oh yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> is that stamped on their on their box? Well, they have numbered they, their whole collection is numbered, and yes, they it was it, it was there the six six entry in the Criterion collection. Del Toro probably loved that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really good movie, The Devil's Backbone. A big fan. Yeah, great. Yeah, no, Devil's Backbone is up there. Um, totally like this. This is this like historical fairy tale horror things he does, and um, it's just poignant, perfect, like. It's yeah, like, I don't know what more I can add to it. Yeah. This has already been said, but it's just uh, Guillermo del Toro's wheelhouse. His, his well is these movies that right. he goes back to, and um, I guess Cronus is the first one. Um, this is the biggie. Um, this yeah, the uh, and does does uh, it's the combination of the like the acclaim he gets from this, yeah, and that Blade Two was a hit that he becomes right. like more of a thing for people yeah. to look at. Does does I Shape also... of Water go with those three at all? Like World War Two ish. Well, I mean, with Kronos, Pan, and this one, because it's another kind of monster thing, fairy tale esque, but it's 
super it, done in English that mm-hmm. changes things. I but... mean, it's certain, like you know, like Criterion boxed Chronos, this Devil's Backbone, and Pans together. Yeah. Like, but I mean, yeah, like it, it's it it fits in the line of like the he does a big giant movie, mm-hmm. then he does you know something small on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you know you have you have Devil's Backbone, you have Blade Two, you have Hellboy, you have Pan's Labyrinth, you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's he do after that? You have um oh Hellboy 2. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hellboy. Hellboy, which is his other another one of his masterworks for me. Um <laughs> like he gets he gets well, because that point he's like also he's doing that and he's like dabbling with Hobbit for like a few years there and it doesn't work out. Right. So he does specific rim, then he does shape of water. Or yeah. And so mm-hmm. like does it file in as far as like thematically? I mean, not so much, but it's it certainly fits into his like or Crimson Peaks in there also somewhere, but um, 2014, I think. Yeah, it it, fit, it fits in less thematically, I'd say, than like the trio of Spanish language films that he makes. But uh, sure. you know, you can still see you know Guillermo evolving as far as his prestige films go, because I mean that's the one that that's the big one for him that gets him all the Oscars and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. But like, I I I understand what you're asking, Brandon. But it's like, yeah, it's an English film with like bigger stars. It's yeah, compared to you know two Spanish Civil War movies and a wacky vampire film from Perlman <laughs> from the early 90s. Um, and set off the MCU. <laughs> um, but yeah. There's, like, there's certainly a consistent feel to all of them, though, when it comes to yeah. just his the way he directs movies. Yes. Like, yeah. on, when it's when there's these smaller scale movies, you can see the kind of yeah. the, the through line between them. Right. Nothing really to add except for just what you, uh, what the, something I really like about that movie, like what you said is like, there's no real secret as to like <laughs> who this boy is. Like he just he's everybody's aware of this person and and why you don't go into like a particular part of the school, so it's like yeah like uh, I I dig that about um some of the tutorial stuff is like he's not always trying to like jump scare you he actually kind of like wants to build up a lot of deep and dark suspense at times too. Yeah, the only time he tries jump scare is like like mimic by default because it's a dimension horror movie, and it's right. like that's the whole purpose of it. And I guess Blade Two, like that's, mm-hmm. I guess well, I guess Crimson, like like Crimson Peak though. That's one where it's like that's more of like a a spooky haunted house, like yeah. Imagery. But even it is it even like for Guillermo, he's like I wanted to make a gothic romance, but the yes. studio wanted me to make it more horror so they could sell it. So it's yeah. like, so it like it's. You know, it leans on things that he's used to doing anyway. You know, creepy ghosts and whatever mm-hmm. Doug Jones is up to. Um, but, <laughs> but, but like the intention for him wasn't to make like the ultimate scare fest. That's it was right. just like I want to make a love story that happens to have like creepy shit in it. Yeah. But he's obviously he loves horror and he loves you know he's produced plenty of like jumpier horror movies. For yeah, I would I would hate to be a guest in his house that has to get water in the middle of the night because <laughs> like he's got a room just filled with like. You know, a, yeah, a life size like it's, statues. It's the whole like, house. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks fantastic, but I'm also just like I, I would be scared. <laughs> All right, Brandon, let's go back to you. What's your next film? Well, I'm gonna have to audible here because I had time cramps as my last one, uh, but it's a film I did not get a chance to revisit for this. Um, but I was gonna bring it up at the end anyway uh, because we need to to visit the uh, masters of such. Uh, Pedro Almodovar's uh, "The Skin I Live In" ah, love it. Hey. Is yeah. one that truly is a film that I saw way when it came out, and still think about here to this day. Like mm-hmm. it is uh, an Al uh, Almodovar's like 
really good at incorporating like Hitchcock stuff, like techniques in terms of um, score with his movies, uh, the way they, they play look cut um, just like an essence of them. Not that he's just making Hitchcock movies, but he's got his own sense of um, using the uh, energy vibe that Hitchcock had. And this one is this little, unsettling thing of perceptions and everything because i believe it tells a story up to a certain point and then goes back and lets you know what happened up before that and really stirs you up uh throwing you for a loop to change completely change your perspective on what you've seen this is sort of a a good like modern mad scientist uh story where you get a lot of backstory on the scientist to a degree is where you have compassion, you have some empathy, but you also like, Hey, you can see it going, uh, tragedy and revenge and stuff going way too far. Um, it deals with body transformation, stuff like that. Um, for like, sort of like transgender surgeries and stuff. And, uh, somebody taking too far, I believe, was it Schrader or Walter Hill who made a movie, uh, like this with Michelle Rodriguez, Walter Hill, Walter yeah. Hill. Yeah. yeah. Where, oh, that movie. Uh, okay. We're a very similar kind of thing, but this is the well done version of it that I see. Uh, yeah. works and is extremely effective. It's ex- got some things that are tastefully uneve- uneasy to watch because it's for effect. You're supposed to feel that way. Um, mm-hmm. No one's relishing it. It's not being uh, celebrated or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. for the effect of the thing. And, um, yeah, this is just a haunting movie uh, in any sense of the word, just of what these people do to each other and the rug that gets pulled out from under you um, with it. And just when you just sit and think about it for a couple of seconds, you're just like, oh, my gosh, it's just kind of disturbing of where it would go with with <laughs> things. And, and when people are their identity is fully stolen from them without choice and no return stuff, it's just thinking about like yeah what he's the control that this scientist is putting onto the victims and stuff and um yeah rather interesting a lot of yeah. a lot of twists and turns with this one uh just a really well done. and and Banderas Antonio Banderas is the lead in this and he's like phenomenal he's always great but this is a, he's working with Modovar and yeah this this one job. got him a lot of notes like he had been kind of out of the mainstream scene for a bit and this one kind of got him a yeah. lot of good marks uh is this movie based off of a short story, or am I thinking of something else? It's based on a book. Oh, it's based on the book. Okay, is that something about a spider? Tarantula. Tarantula. Yes, Tarantula. that's the one. Thank you. Uh, this was in my top ten of that year, which was a, like mm-hmm. this is 2011. This is a good that year. Was a long yeah, time ago. yeah. This had a number. This because this had like melancholia and like mm-hmm. a number of like bleak sci-fi things. That right. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was really enjoying quite a bit. And um, right. I uh, I really like this movie a lot. Uh, Banderas is great. Uh, Elena Anaya is very. Mm-hmm. She's the other the, the the woman in question that's in most of this movie. That she's really mm-hmm. good here, to the point where when Wonder Woman comes out, she's in Wonder Woman as the disfigured woman that's with Danny Houston. Right. And she wears a mask, and I'm like, is this like a tribute to the skin I live in? Patty <laughs> 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 Jenkins right. playing some jokes here. Um, right. But uh, no, this movie is fantastic. Yeah, I I wish I had time to revisit. I just to, just to watch mm-hmm. it again because it's a really good movie. Um, it's it's like, like this is the like because Almodovar Hitchcock is such a good reference point for him in the way he makes his movies but mm-hmm. they're not often suspenseful as much as they are like just kind of like made in a certain classic way 
where the genre is not thriller or suspense often. This is one where it actually is like a thriller. Right. right? Yeah. It actually is delving more into because we're talking about it on a horror episode. It's mm-hmm. the so it's to the point where it's like this is like almost less Hitchcock and more De Palma. Um, mm-hmm. Like if De Palma like really classed it up in Spain for him, and it and it and it works. It works <laughs> really well. Yeah. Uh, especially like yeah, the flashback structures, like just the things he's doing in here, just feels really. It feels like you know Amadovar who's a you know terrific filmmaker and certainly makes great you know dramas and romance yeah. films and what have you this is where it feels like he pulled out some stops it's like let me go in a different direction for a change down like great <laughs> jump down wacky right <laughs> like really see what i can come up with and yeah it's the most like respectable freak out mad scientist movie you can ask for and it does the job yes um yeah. so you know I'm a, I'm a, i was a big fan of this movie when i saw it in i was happy to see it in theaters too i was like oh yeah, that's this, pretty cool yeah, yeah. um so yeah, no, I'm a big fan of the skin I live in. I mean, and uh, Amadovar is an expert at just making you think about his movies long after the credits For roll. Sure. Like it's yeah. I like I'm still haunted by Parallel Mothers. Like that, uh, that movie really yeah. really got in my head, and I still think about it a lot. It's just and it's it's something with the way he does it. Like he evoke like he's not like you say he's not making thrillers, but he's doing things in the way he's telling it that tells my senses that but I'm not watching that. It's really bizarre. It's, it's something yeah. that he does that I'm not sure anybody else does or can do. Mm-hmm. I think pain and glory, which that got Banderas's first Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, that still has one of my favorite final shots of a movie that I've seen in like the past oh. 10 years. Just the way you realize something that's been going on. Mm. Um, yeah. It's going to live in. That's a, <laughs> it's a good pick. It's a good pick. Um, I have multiple movies I still want to mention and I'll get to them, but my last like official pick, I had, there's one that I assumed would come up, but I'll, I'll get to it after this, I guess. Um, but uh, the last movie I have uh, for my list is uh, Las Brujas de Zugaramurdi or Witching and Bitching as it's known in America. Ah, okay. This is the first film we're mentioning from director Alex de la Iglesia, who has very prolific. Um, he's made a lot of movies, a lot of horror and genre films, and he's currently doing the HBO um spanish series 30 coins which is like it's like x files but with possession stuff going on okay. um, it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool series yeah. he's made he's made plenty of films beforehand including this film this is from 2014 2013 i think it came out in the states 2014 um and it's basically like if you have Shaun of the dead for zombies if you have what we do in the shadows for uh vampires. For, uh for vampires and werewolves to an extent mm-hmm. this is the version for witches Mm-hmm. um this is a, a comedy horror film uh that begins with like a group of guys trying to rob a jewelry store um and to do so they're dressed up like you know like the guys in on like hollywood boulevard or new york that dress up as like spongebob or batman yeah or sure. yeah, yeah it's like a group of these guys in spain um that are like that like one's dressed up as um as spongebob uh one's dressed up as a ninja turtle and the main guy is, is uh, like silver Jesus. Huh. <laughs> He's like oh, Jesus what? with the hair, but completely like silver paint all over him. And that's uh. how they that's how they rob a store, uh, get all these jewels. Uh, they're immediately found by the cops and get into a huge shootout. And then they get into a car chase. Oh, um, the the fa- the main guy has brought his son along to participate in the crime because he only gets them on weekends. To participate, and essentially, it what what it winds up is these guys like escape with the with the like a bag full of jewels in their in their possession, and they make a stop along the way to France to get away from it all, mm. and they wind up at a house full of witches. Whoa, oh. 
Um, and uh, wouldn't you know it, they're, they're trying to perform some kind of ritual or whatever to get crazy things to happen. Uh, this movie's constantly entertaining, very fun. Um, it knows how to, sh- like, I wouldn't say it's like scary, but it knows how to shift the tone around just enough where it's like, you know, there's serious witch stuff happening that's, mm-hmm. not, you know, it could result in death um, if they're not careful. Um, it's like almost two hours, and like the last 20 minutes gets a little like big in scale in a way where it's like, I like how it's gotten this large, but it's like it's not as entertaining as it goes. But it's I still see. like the movie's pretty consistent as far as maintaining a level of like lunacy as far as the like the jokes that are coming. And like when I, I mentioned like uh, Shaun of the Dead specifically, where that's a movie that's you know it's a homage, but not so much a parody. I would say it's an mm-hmm. homage to zombie movies. This is feel this feels like an homage to nothing like specific, but more like. It, the the jokes are coming from the situation as opposed to like it's you know you know it's not a it's not a parody movie mm-hmm, um, right and so it has the right head and shoulders it's well cast I can't say I know many of these performers but they're all very fun they all seem to get like the the tone that they're going for in here mm-hmm. I know a few of them worked with uh, Iglesia before uh, but yeah this movie is very entertaining it's on Shutter um, you can easily find it um, it was how, how what's the run time it's like what an hour hour 114 so like just okay under, oh, like it's just, very, it's just, it's just under two hours. hours yeah um, also it has a uh, javier botet javier botet is the very tall man that appears in multiple like james wan movies and ah, okay. Toro movies who's yeah. like the goat he's the, he's the he's the skinny what is it the tall man or the oh, uh, yeah 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 in the uh, conjuring 2 yo uh, okay and he's yeah, like yeah. he's mama in mama he's the spanish actor who's very lanky and big yeah. and so they use him for a lot of like creatures that look that are supposed to look awkward Sure. He has like a he he plays like a not a creature, but he plays a deformed person in this movie. He has a speak, but he's a speaking role. And he gets oh. an act, and it's like this is fun. He's like an actual like main star yeah. of this movie for a change, and it's like he's doing a good job. I was sorry, he was a silent actor. Yeah, he, but I honestly no, I I know what you're saying, but like yeah, no, I get to, you. He gets to perform, you know. It's nice. It's it's like when you give Doug Jones a chance to actually act instead of just be the monster in the movie. It's like he gets to like right. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> But no, witching and bitching. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw this one back when it came out. I haven't seen it since, but I, I did enjoy it when it came out. It, uh, it, has, it, it, it was a good, like, I could use something a little funner, more fun, more comedic than mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the stuff I've been watching. So, yeah, it, it worked out well. Um, Excellent. Yeah. What are some other ones, Brandon? You guys want to run off your uh, automobile mentions? Or? Uh, my, I, on my list, I we went through pretty much all mine through this. Uh, I have Edge of the Axe, which is a pretty solid little slasher that um, Spanish production, but starring like North American actors and stuff. Um, it was notable. It's got this like killer with like a white mask over them that kind of looked Jason esque back in the day with the VHS oh, rentals okay. and stuff. But it's a it's a solid little one. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much that's. I mean, there's nothing like it's it's pretty popular cult title. It was hard to get on. Uh, blu-ray for a while then arrow put it out uh, and then nobody talks about it a lot anymore but it, it's a cool little movie it's 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 a it's not corny cheesy type thing I'd, I'd say there is some datedness to it but it's a rock solid good kills decent little 80 90 minute jaunt <laughs> um the other one i mean there's the other okay, so the other uh, Iglesia film that I want to note was the Day of the Beast. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Came out ninety five. This is what put him on the map for a lot of people because mm-hmm. it's a very like, it's like a punk rock horror movie where 
like a it, what is it a a priest a metalhead and like a fake like Spain's version of evangelical guy they mm-hmm. get together to essentially try to try to bring out um the the antichrist so they like start like they do stuff to like purposely provoke the world in order to like to get the antichrist to arrive so they can kill the antichrist so they could stop it from like you know taking over the world mm-hmm. um and i know the logo but i've never seen the movie well, it was pretty cool because it's like an upright goat <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. um it's uh this is also like just like gonzo nut like when you were talking about like crazy fucked up movies, this is the director I'm referring yeah, to. Yeah. this is the one that who does where this. it gets like all off the rails and like yeah. what the fuck mm-hmm. and this is a this is a very 90s spanish movie so it had and like i already mentioned it's like a metalhead's part of their team so it has a lot of like a lot of like 90s rock kind of music going yeah, on like scott punk yeah <laughs> a lot the uh the effects are very 90s like it's not it's a lot of like hey we're in front of green screens isn't this neat mm. um there's a lot of that going on but like it has the right kind of momentum to like keep it moving and keep it cool throughout because it's such a like a weird story with a lot of like wacko gags and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which I like. I guess by default, I think he perfected more by the time we get to witching and bitching. But like this is, you know, I I can if I saw this in the '90s, like when this was coming out, yeah, I can I could see why like the 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 uh, the embrace of his style like really cut caught on. Like it it hmm. does the job. Sure. Uh, the main movie I want to mention that I thought would come up was The Orphanage, of course. Uh, Jay yes. I, I thought that uh-huh. you actually would bring this up. Yeah, I figured that someone else yeah. was going to grab that one. I, so. I thought you would, eh, because it's something that you'd probably think you'd go for. I would never revisit this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, The, the Orphanage uh, from Jay Bayona, who's gone on to do uh, what he did. He did The Monster Calls, but he did uh, The Impossible. Um mm-hmm. Uh, what's like the oh Jurassic World? I'm like, what's yeah. the big thing he did? What's that movie that made him a billion and a half dollars? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, Jurassic the, the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, uh, but the Orphanage, which is I, I'm pretty it must be his first movie. Yeah, it's his first movie. Yeah, uh, just a, another fantastic ghost story. You know, one having like already been in the bag for Devil's Backbone. I'm like, okay, now um, we're getting another one of these uh, with creepy kids, and totally nails what it's going for as far as creepy kid movies. It has this iconic image of this boy in like a burlap sack mask that's yeah. like inherently mm-hmm. creepy. And the fact that this movie is able to like be legit creepy in the way it uses this child and yet find a way to like incorporate his backstory and what's going on with this or this, you know, this abandoned orphanage. Um, it's really effective. It's a really strong film, uh, story wise that way. Uh, Bella and Ruda, who's the star, the actress who's been in a number of, like, Spanish... She's, like, a legit, like, Spanish actress, but she does a lot of horror movies. She's one called Julia's Eyes that I also mm. quite liked. Oh, um, sounds familiar. Like yeah. It's, like, a Hitchcock yeah. movie. A lot of Hitchcock... See what it knows. There's a lot of, like... I don't I don't just, like, trying to throw out the term Hitchcock in, but it's, right. like, it actually right, applies right. to the movies that I'm saying it for. Sure, like, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. get what you're saying. Oh, makes sense. Well, you're among people, friends. I know. Some people just say it because <laughs> it sounds cool. I'm like... Legit is trying no, to be... No, like it, 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 yeah. it has a connotation associated with it. Yeah, but... um. But no, Bella and Ruta, uh, given she's get in the or the orphanage, she's giving a performance that's akin to you know the ones that get looked over, like Essie Davis and the Babadook, or mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, Lupita Nyong'o and us. It's like it's one of those like just a really really strong performance, regardless yeah. of the fact that it's a horror genre film. Um, and yeah, she's very good here as this woman that's just cut. You know, she's like a social worker. She's caught up in like seeing this image of this boy and trying to figure out like, what's going on and like why am i getting freaked out by this thing but also i can't help but like want to explore the you know the backstory of this orphanage like what happened here um 
but yeah i saw this movie in theaters with friend of the show scooter um who screamed very loud at one specific point and it was great ah! um <laughs> was he the only one <laughs> yes he, he usually is um and he screams very specifically because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying yell i'm saying scream <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so, but like it, yeah it, as effective as it is as like just a creep out thing the fact that it has this kind of very sad well-developed tale of of what's happened here yeah. it just goes a long way as to why this movie's you know held on and why why i really like why i'm always excited when jay bayona has a new film coming out because i think he just for one thing i think he generally delivers but also i just really liked what the, he did with his first movie yeah this is Fantastic. a really high profile international film too in terms of wide release and marketing and and whatnot, I remember. Well, Del Toro's like big friends with Bayona as well. So he Okay. He's not like officially on as a producer, but he like he he helped him get this helped made. Yeah. He, he was a big part okay. of like getting it the attention that it got. Again, uh, lifting your friends up with you. For sure. Yeah. They they keep threatening a remake, but it hasn't happened. So really good for us. Um watch, yeah, yeah. I mean, watch the good. original. Yeah. <laughs> Some things you just can't remake. Uh but yeah, the orphanage is certainly a movie that I like. I, I could not have mentioned on our Spanish war podcast episode. Sure, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Scold us. Why yeah. did you bring it up? Uh, Grant, do you have anything else offhand? Not really. No. Um, we, I, yeah, we actually naturally got through like my backups and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else I could say about Pan's Lab. If anything, Pan's Lab might be like a future commentary for us. I feel like that just seems like yeah. it's like I, a that, given. That, that seems like yeah. an inevitable one that we'll do, but uh, that also know. has like a lot more elements of like historical, like yeah, it's more fan, it's more fan historical. historical fantasy as opposed to like yeah. horror. But it's really I mean, I mean that the elements that pale man is absolutely yeah, one yeah, of the most horrifying guy's... things ever. Yeah, yeah. he looks uh, cool on the on the posters, but he's doing some gnarly things. It's gr- grim fairy tale esque, yeah, in terms sure. of, but which is horror, right, in my eyes. But yeah. It, yeah. Sure. But again, I, I just assume we'll probably talk about it one day in a oh, yeah. lengthier conversation. Um, we talked about the platform when that arrived during the pandemic era. It was a pandemic movie, yeah. Yeah, um, which is like a neat high concept film. It's, I right. guess it leads, leads more on sci-fi, but it is that like social political stuff that we're talking yes. about as far mm-hmm. as what it's trying to comment on and what's going on. Yeah, with. hashtag obvio. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And um, what's the other one? I was just, oh, Piggy came out earlier this year. Um, which is a it's a creepy movie. <laughs> it's, a, it, it, it's about this uh, overweight uh, uh, young woman who gets bullied, and then a, a serial killer deals with that, and then oh, she, and she forms an unlikely bond that she's that's not intentional on her part, but she has to. She let it. the right one in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the right one just kind of stepped in, and she's like, "I guess this is happening." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That should be in more horror characters' uh, artillery. I guess this is happening. Like having <laughs> a best friend that's a serial killer. No, just the just the reaction to their absurd scenarios. Like this is <laughs> happening. <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, okay. I think we've talked a lot about Spanish horror. Um, cool. That that that's it. We've done. We did it. We did it. We've exactly what we've actually completed the series. We've we're back. We're we have uh, arrived back home from our world tour. Um, and, and I I hope the uh, the listeners have gained a lot of films to watch and put on their lists or what have you because it's yeah fun to it's certainly fun to do and like all in accessible places like what you and Brandon say like Canopy, uh-huh. uh, if you have a Shutter subscription obviously that but Canopy is like a, a library card 
Canopy, Hoopla, library card. Yeah, uh, Shutter for sure is a great mm-hmm. resource for a lot of these. But, you know, a lot of these are on Prime or on Peacock and stuff like that. Like yeah. No, they're they Tubi, yeah. Tubi, yeah. They get these libraries. There's just Tubi. stuff available out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Always expand, always be willing to expand your horror horizons, I think, is the theme of these yearly episodes that we do. Exactly, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But with all that said, that is going to do it for this special bonus episode of Out Now with Eric and Abe. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do always up over there. And I'm on We Live Entertainment for Blu-ray, or no, for movie reviews, why some Blu-ray reviews, and on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more of my Instagram, Abe.mua, and Twitter.com slash Wallace Hashtag, but I am your mom, uh, but I have your daughter, mommy. Uh, Brandon Peters. All right, at Brandon4KUHD on the socials. Uh, BrandonPetersShow.com. Uh, my program's also doing horror right now. Uh, so come on Monday. Night of the Demons, the the whole series plus the remake, and then come right back here to Out Now with Aaron and Abe as we talk about The Exorcist. Well, we do a commentary for The Exorcist. Um, it's going to be great. I'll let Aaron tell you all about it. Yeah, that is the the next plan. Um, the, to wrap up 2023's horror episodes, we'll be having an Exorcist commentary track. William Friedkin's Exorcist, the theatrical version, not the version you were never meant to see because you were never meant to see it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> of course. They've changed it to like extended cut now. That's oh. what they call it. Yeah. I, I like when it's when like I watch like Spider-Man 2 and it's Spider-Man 2.1 and they went yeah. to the likes of actually putting Spider-Man 2.1 in the title. Stupid. <laughs> X-Men oh, 2.1. Now, now I know These it's 2.5. X-Men was 2.5, right? 1.5. Yeah. 1.5, 1.5. Yeah. 5. But yeah, you can find all the other episodes about now there on iTunes and everywhere you can find podcasts. We're on all the We're socials. Online. Yeah, you can yeah. you can follow us in all these places. Uh but yeah, next episode proper uh for this horror show will be The Exorcist. Uh but yeah, that's wrapping up our world tour for this year. I look forward to Picking out some countries next year that we can also cover, as well as getting back to some fun horror topics. But this is this is always a lot of fun, guys. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to join. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, yeah. join I got some solid wrecks too. Yeah, yeah. But it's sure. become a, a staple of the show, and, and Brandon always uh, here to anchor us. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's gonna do it for this episode. Until next time, so long and goodbye. Farewell. <laughs>